This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. I'm Daniel Davis. I played Professor James Moriarty on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. T.O. Grey Hot. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey. I'm your host, Pierre LaRocco, and joined with me today is Joe Keegan and Kevin Scarf. Hello. Hello. I'm going to say your um, surname, Pierre LaRocco. That's actually how you say your surname in my accent. <laughs> okay, sounds good to me. Yeah. Amy's not here to disagree, so that's fine. as long as you're <laughs> happy, because it's your surname. <laughs> How are we guys? I am very happy because it's the first day of my school summer holidays, so I technically don't have to go back to work until August 11th. So, oh, Lovely, lovely. Thank you so much. Summer has started, things are green, it's warm outside. All we need is things to open up again and I'll be happy. <laughs> Pierre, what's going on with you? I'm in the midst of figuring out how to open up a school, reopen a school in the... The new, the new world, new normal that we live in. Try to keep everyone safe. That's that's a very interesting quandary to be in. We have been planning for a blended model, which is um, no more than a third of the school coming back at any one time. Um, so that's like four hundred students back in the building for half days, and then working from home the rest of the time. Um, and then the government just announced that they, because the number of deaths has hit zero on multiple days in a row, then we can go back full-time in August. So everybody's a bit, going a bit nuts that we did all this work for nothing. But I'm like, you know, they're, they're going to do what's best for us, I think. If it's safe, we'll be back full-time. If it's not, we won't be back at all. And if it's somewhere in between, then we'll be doing something in between. So. Yeah, we're, we're, we're planning three models right now. Um, and then we're going to figure out which one is best to move forward with. Yeah. So, it's all very crazy. And we'll just, we'll just take one day at a time and do whatever's best for everyone, I suppose. So That's all we can do. Yeah. All right. So, I hear we have some Babel Conference feedback. <laughs> I think yes, we do, yeah. we do. 
So uh, we've got some feedback about episode 329, which was about deleted scenes, season seven. And first uh, is from Joey Slowinski, and he says, good episode, guys. I have a suggestion, since it seems that the deleted scenes episodes will soon be coming to an end. It struck me as you were talking about whether or not you thought that the scene added something to the episode, that perhaps there are scenes that made it into episodes that could have been done away with. I'd be interested to hear you all talk about what scenes in some episodes, which had scenes deleted, you might have deleted instead. That's a good idea. I think it could lead to a discussion about B stories. You know, most episodes have A plots and B plots, and sometimes the B plots are more interesting than the main story, and sometimes they are just silly. So we should should maybe take a look at that at some point, B plots of episodes. Thank you for the suggestion, Joey. That's great. I'm cool name. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, Kimberly Lawler says, Nice episode. I agree that I would cut most of the Gambit scenes, but the Beverly one should have stayed. It reminds me of the sickbay scene where she and Worf have escaped Sertris Three in Chain of Command, and she knows Picard was left behind. She's devastated. Gates is so good with that. Understated, but deep emotion. Plus, I low-key love the friendship between Riker and Crusher. It was great to have the grieving scene with Riker and Troy, but we should have gotten the little one with Beverly, too. Instead of turning it into voiceover. Hmm, interesting. For all the for all the kinda bad character development that Beverly got and her underuse throughout the seasons, I think what she does with what she gets is really good. And it's just it's just from through podcasting and talking about it and having to watch Star Trek that it really gets highlighted. And really come to appreciate what she does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really like Beverly. Um, and I, I agree. It would have been it would have been good to see that scene. Cool. So Kurt Klein says, "Cool, kind of Superman style name, like Lois Lane, Clark Kent, <laughs> Kurt Klein. Nice. Uh, I love this podcast. The new hosts are great too. And that's about you guys, because you guys are new hosts. Oh. Well, thank you, Aww, thank you, Kurt. Kurt. I also love this podcast because it's the only podcast I really do or listen to. So, thank you." Right, Pierre, what are we talking about today? I'm very excited. All right, so today we are talking about um, characters we never see again. So we're, we're going to go through <laughs> some, some um, one-off characters mm-hmm. and talk about what we think they went on to do after leaving the episode. Um, so we each picked three, and we have some honorable mentions, and we're kind of just going to go around and and talk about the characters that we only saw once, and um, and what we think um, happened to them. So let's start off with Kevin, your first character. Can I add on to Kevin before you yeah, start what? that? Can I just warn you guys, as new podcasters, that um, if you steal one of mine, yeah, there'll be hell to pay. But I know roughly where you guys live. Pierre, you're in the U.S. of A. <laughs> Kevin, you're in Canada. 
Um, so I'm can I can search these large land masses and find you and make you pay. So, mm-hmm. Just saying. Okay. All right. Well, then I hope you don't have Lieutenant Commander Shelby on your list. I thought you can have it. Oh, excellent. She is one of my all-time favorites. Um, she was in two episodes, mm. but it was only one story, sure. so I'm counting it. Uh, Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and 2, comes in like a spitfire, ready to take over. And it seemed like she was going to be a character that we were going to see over and over, but she never does appear again. Now, having said that, there are there are an entire series of books okay. written about her. Uh, the the New Frontier series. She is uh, a major major character in that. And that that was a, one of the tough things about uh, this topic is a lot of the characters I like do have longer careers um, in the novels, and, and Shelby is one uh, is no exception to that. The interesting thing was I never realized it, and it's from reading the books that she's never given a first name on the show. She's just Lieutenant Commander Shelby. I know from the books that her first name is Elizabeth, but that's not that's not She totally looks like an show. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I think I think the name yeah. Elizabeth makes her less threatening. I feel like really? it's I don't know if I should I just feel like it's a less threatening name. I feel like Commander Shelby is so much more authoritative. Yeah. That's okay. true. That's true. But she's a character who's very career-minded, right? So I would say that after helping stop a Borg invasion, I would think she'd go on to be some kind of a great fleet commander in the Dominion War and, uh, you know, uh, be a major power player at Starfleet Command, I would think. that That's where I would see a character like Shelby ending up. It's interesting. Um, I um, it's interesting that her name's Elizabeth, but it makes me laugh because Elizabeth can be short, shortened to Liz or Betty, so which really really <laughs> takes all the power out of her. Commander Shelby to Betty Shelby, mm. she she run she runs a pub in the countryside in England. Um, so <laughs> I, what else? Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever really thought about what she went on to do. Obviously, she was working on the Borg scenario. Starfleet. Um, so was she involved in that in first contact, possibly? Well, uh, she was assigned to help rebuild the fleet after the Battle of Wolf 359. That mm-hmm. was in the episode. That's where she was yeah. off to at the end of that episode. So she was involved uh, with, the, with the fleet as a whole at some point, which leads me to believe that she would be involved in the Dominion ooh, War. Ooh. So if she was mm. involved in rebuilding the fleet, didn't Cisco end up there too? Oh, after Wolf yeah. Three Five Nine, I think. She, I think so, so maybe her true. and Cisco had something to do with building Defiant class ships. Could be. Let's make it so. Do you know what? We are here to decide these things, so we can set it and, in stone. And also with Shelby, like I think, I think one of the reasons why we don't see her again is because I think she gets a captaincy pretty quickly too, because you know the the, the Starfleet's kind of in shells and after the Borg, so when they're rebuilding the fleet, I think she just goes and gets a captaincy of one of the new ships. Hmm. Uh, I will I will dip into the books a little bit. It's been a while since I've read them, but that is true in the novels, and in fact, she becomes an admiral very quickly as well. That doesn't novels, surprise me. So. Yeah. 
Um, t- best of both worlds has two lines in it that I never really understood at first watching. And there's one that I never understood because I literally didn't understand what they were saying. Not the words, but I couldn't make it out. Um, and it, they're on a turbo lift. It's Jordy and Riker. And Jordy says to Riker, she's a formidable presence to say the least. But then LeVar Burton, just, it just rolls off his tongue. But it becomes almost like one word. She's a formidable presence, to say the <laughs> least. Um, and I never understood what he said until recently, and I looked it up. And then when she beams down to the planet early, um, and who is it? Is it Shelby that says, early bird gets the worm? No, LaForge again says it, early bird gets the worm. And then Data says, this is one of my favourites, Data says, I can detect no sign of, um, was it crawling vermicula or avithonal life forms? Talking about birds and worms, so I'd quite like that. Nice. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. a character I would love to see come back. Um, wouldn't wouldn't she be a fun uh, character for Picard to run into on that show? Um, uh, I can't really comment on Picard because I really don't like her. Really oh yeah, you hate it. that show. Yeah, S- forgot S- that. Sorry, didn't mean to, didn't mean to bring up some yeah, bad I, memories. Oh, you go Pierre. I could personally do without her. With you. Yeah. Really? I mean, she had her place in, in Best of Both Worlds, but I don't need her to come back again. Okay. 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 Awkward. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind if they brought anybody back like that, like um, Bruce Maddox, but have the same actor play him. Because nothing about yeah. Bruce Maddox and Picard looked remotely similar to the Bruce Maddox in Measure of a Man. Yeah. Just say. All right, Joe. So your your first character here. Oh, who to pick? Okay, I'm going. I've mentioned this character before on Earl Grey. Um, this character is one of my outstanding favourites of all time because they are pretty much me in the future, except she's a woman, um, and that is Lieutenant Commander Nella Darren. Oh, you sniped <laughs> me! I'm allowed to because I've been here longer. <laughs> ah. Well, that you know, it's, it's an easy go-to for me because she's a physicist. She does astronomy. Well, she's an astrophysicist, and I studied physics and astronomy at university, and I teach physics. So, career-wise, we are literally the same. She also plays the piano. I play the piano. Her playing the the trio, Chopin piano trio in G minor, is what made me want to go and learn it. And I can kind of play it not as well as her. So. Dead easy pick. For me, I would like to see what she does afterwards. I know Memory Beta said that she made a few appearances uh, like in the the video game Starship Creator. Um, she went aboard the Oberth class USS Yosemite to become head of stellar cartography. And then there was a few books that she was in. Um, she transferred from the Enterprise to the USS Havana. Um, but we don't know how reliable that is because Picard was in an extremely unreliable state of mind, we're told. And then, in the TNG ebook, A Sea of Troubles, um, a changeling infiltrated the Enterprise E in 2372 and studied Picard, Picard's personal logs. And then when they were negotiating between the Alpha Quadrant species and the Dominion, 
the changeling mentioned that he could impersonate any one of Picard's previous female acquaintances. Really, I don't know why he would mention that in a negotiation. But, hey. So yeah, I would like to see what she's doing now. I imagine she combined her love of astrophysics and using, what was it she was doing? Using fractal something something to estimate the configuration of star systems like four billion years before they'd formed. Uh, I think she used that knowledge and her love of music to create some kind of star system that was a giant piano. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I could see that. Easy. I could see so, that. So, I, I imagine her um, being on the, I guess the fringes you would say, because the Romulans are so secretive, but trying to be on on those teams that were trying to help with the Romulan supernova. Right? Because like, that's kind of her expertise, you know, how how star systems form, how galaxies form, how, how they collapse, things like that. How they evolve, yeah. Yeah. The end life of stars, yeah. Where they're on the Hertzsprung Russell diagram. Totally could see that. That this must be in a book somewhere, but I couldn't see any mention of it, so Yeah, she's a character that really hasn't appeared very much after afterwards in um extra media. Um but I, I'd like to think that she's still out there. Maybe she's formed a little musical uh, quartet or quintet or something, and she's she's out there among the stars playing her music and trying to find love. Oh no, she she's the captain of a starship, where instead of the the L cards displays, true. every every station has a keyboard, and that's the only way to input is by playing the piano. <laughs> I like that. Do, do, <laughs> do, yeah. do, do. Cool. <laughs> So, yeah, Lieutenant Commander Nerida, Nella Darren, definitely for me. Very old-fashioned name, Nella. Is Nella short for something? I don't think it's so. It's really kind of Victorian-sounding, isn't it, mm-hmm. Nella? I know um, the, there's an old-fashioned name, I don't know if you guys have it, where you are Ina, I-N-A. Ina, okay. I know someone named Ina. An older, yeah. she's an older woman. Like she was my okay, grandparents' so friend. Okay, so Ina is basically the the tradition was your firstborn took the father's name, regardless of whether or not it was a boy or a girl. So if it okay. was like William was a father, firstborn was a daughter, daughter she would be called Williamina. And so you get lots of girls okay. from way back called like Williamina, Thomasina, um. I'm trying to think of other examples. Jacqueline? Oh, I suppose that might work, yeah. Um, I can't remember. I can't think of any. So basically take the father's name and add um, Aina. Yeah. Add an A. And so that becomes the female name. So I'm thinking Nella might be something similar. Nella. Hmm. Anyways. Hmm. Pierre, what's your first pick? My first pick. Okay. is from the episode Suddenly Human. <gasps> okay. And it is Jono, also known as Jeremiah Rosa. Mm. Ah. And here is what I think happens to Jono. I think he gets back um, with his family. Um, his human family? No. Okay. Okay. With his um, 
with Endar mm-hmm. and, and, the, and that family. And I think he is still intrigued about humans. Right? Mm-hmm. So he, he's on Talarian and he's still a little intrigued and he tells Endar that he's intrigued. Endar, Endar tells him to explore it. And he reaches out to Picard. And then I think they create a subspace... They have several subspace dialogues going back and forth about things in general. Mm -hmm. And I think that Jono ultimately goes to Starfleet Academy and joins Starfleet under the name Jono Rosa. I like that idea. I Mm. think we might have to make that canon. Um, I like the fact that they were kind of it was very military minded mm-hmm. so I'm thinking that there's some kind of Dominion War involvement and he becomes like a hero maybe. Either oh. either after he's joined Starfleet or the like the Jem'Hadar attack his planet um, not Earth the, the other one. Um, what did you say it was called again? Ta- it is Tellerite. Tell Talarian. Okay. Um, yeah, so they attack that and he saves a bunch of people. And then that's what prompts him to join Starfleet, maybe. Some, there has to be some kind of hero thing going on. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, he has appeared in books afterwards. Um, so he joins the Talarian space fleet in, in the novel Sins of Commission. And his adopted father becomes the Talarian ambassador to the Federation. Okay. So. That's cool. Yeah. I like that choice. Well, when you mentioned the, the sort of plot of that episode, I thought you were going to snipe my character because it's a, quite a similar situation. I'm going with Amanda Rogers. She was a Q raised as a human, uh, sort of in a reverse of Jono's situation. Uh, she was taken under Beverly's wing and uh, taught all about how to be... Well, she, she grew up as a human, and then Q showed up to take her away because she's really a Q. And after that, even though she said she'd like to come back and check on things and see how things are going, we never saw her again. But I would like to think that she joined the continuum and uh, created some ripples over there and said, uh, you know, we got to stop messing around with the uh, with the quote unquote lesser beings and uh, and was uh, and was trying to create a sense of sanity in the Q continuum. That's that's my hope for what happened to Amanda Rogers. Do you have any thoughts? Um, I. She was played by Olivia Dabo, who's really, really, really nice. I met her in Vegas last year, I think. Um, oh, nice. Really cool. It would have been nice in Voyager when they had a bunch of Q come on, if they got her as like in a stabilizing mm-hmm. force. Because remember in Voyager, they went to the Continuum and it's in the middle of their civil war. Um, and yes. it's basically tearing itself apart. So it would be nice if she went there as the human influence. That, that was my hope. So she appears in one of the comic books. She appears in oh. the Q conflict oh. comic book arc. Oh yes, she does. Hmm. That's 
That's the comic I'm where all the four crews get mixed up, correct. right? Yes, I have read that. I forgot she was in that. Interesting. Um, I have a bunch of comic books, but I have not read them yet. I collect the the Star Trek graphic novel collection. Oh, those are nice. Ones. Yeah, but there's there's like 120 volumes or something. And uh, I'm, I'm on we're almost something. there. Those were showing. Those were showing up at my dollar store too. I picked one up for like. Well, I think three dollars. It was, they're they're really great books, but they all went away quickly, mm. and I was only able to buy one. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> Never mind. Next time. Next time. Joe, who's your second character? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, who to pick? Who to pick? Who to pick? Um. I think I'm going to pick. Um. um okay. I'm going to pick Roga Denar. Okay. Who was from The Hunted, season three, episode 11. And he was played by Jeff McCarthy. He was that Angoshan soldier who escaped the Luna 5 penal settlement and eluded, like, all attempts to capture him. Um, He was kind of augmented. He went through some really rigorous physical, mental, emotional... um, military training back when he was a soldier and um his his home planet were kind of abusing all the previous soldiers and keeping them in jail because they were too dangerous and that i think that's the episode with um what's his name the guy that played zeph from cochrane oh um uh, uh, james um james james What's his name? James Cromwell. We're getting sacked. Cromwell. Um, yeah. James Cromwell. Oh, thank you, Pierre. Uh, yes, James Cromwell mm-hmm. plays the Angoshan Prime Minister in that episode. Um, so yeah, him. Interestingly, there's a, there was a series of short stories that were part of a competition um, for new writers called Strange New Worlds. And there's a short story called Orphans that describes when Rogadarar was recruited to Section 31 during the Dominion War, and he was sent to guard the Guardian of Forever on Planet Gateway. And then when... I've not read the story myself, but according to Memory Beta, when he finished his assignment, he granted the Guardian's wish to be free and set him free because he was basically locked into this gateway system so I would like to see what he did because he would be really useful in the Dominion War as like a frontline troop kind of good all round fighter ability to evade um, tracking systems kind of can break out of transporter beams all sorts so him against Jim Hadar would be a would be a good fight what do you guys think? Yeah, he's not a character that came to mind um, immediately. Uh, I had to look him up to see who he was, and you're right. He's he's a very interesting backstory, okay. and uh, uh, he, he would make an interesting character to follow in sort of like a spy mystery series or a, you know, like a mm-hmm. like a Jason Bourne kind of a character, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if we get a Section Thirty One series. If they do like short treks that are in mm. the 24th century, based on that, that'd be cool to see what he's doing. They won't, but it'd be nice. 
I chose him because he's nice to look at. That's, that was just me. But I, I, I couldn't decide who to pick. Him or Thaddean O'Connor from the Rages O'Connor. And they were those those are my two eye candy choices. So yeah, I would I would I definitely would love to have have seen or or know more about just even not necessarily just him, but all of the soldiers from that from that world of what they did during the Dominion War, mm. right? Because because the whole Alpha Beta Quadrant is in trouble. So you would think that no matter how disgruntled they are about their situation, they would have joined in. Um, and they would have been a huge asset. True. But they weren't part of the Federation, though. So you'd imagine that they their planet was attacked, but they voluntarily chose to serve again to protect their home world, maybe. Cool. All right. What's next? I'm excited still. What is next? That is the question, isn't it? I know you've pondered long and hard about this, Pierre. Mm -hmm. I have, I have. And and as as you guys know, I I kind of fancied myself of knowing the fringe characters. So I tried to dig deep here. Yes. Okay. There you go. Okay. Marissa Yale. Marissa Yale. Oh, no, I don't, I don't. I know that name, Marissa. I do not. Marissa. I'm going to look it up. And I don't. I, I can see. I can hear somebody say it from the episode First Contact. Oh, the scientist woman. The scientist woman who leaves with the Enterprise because she's so intrigued. Who leaves with the Enterprise? Oh. Yes. So, so, so she would then be the only, the only of her species. Not mm-hmm, on right. their planet, because they're they're essentially uh, almost warp planet. Yeah. So she decides that she doesn't she can't go back to the to her planet, knowing that she won't ever leave it again. And she's been dreaming about the stars, and asks Picard if she can join join them on a, on their journey, or well, that's what she says. But you know, when you look at reality, what does that mean then? Like, where does she then go? Right, because if you think about it, they're they're almost warped. So her knowledge of science is much less than than what Starfleet has, right? So yeah. So where does she go? Does she go back to school? Does she go back to school and then become a major scientist somewhere? Does she just enjoy life on numerous planets and just kind of bounce around? I think she's sipping cocktails on Risa. No, no. I, don't, I don't think she is. I think she was so intrigued by the fact that there are other species and other civilizations out there and that she was a scientist, so she was very open-minded. She came to the realisation that she prob- what she knew about science was probably very little compared to this massive starship that turned up and what they knew on board. Um, so I think that she probably went to the Daystrom Institute or the Vulcan Science Academy and just absorbed everything that she could get her hands on and just embraced this new wealth of knowledge that was made available to her. Yeah, I, I like the Vulcan Science Academy idea because I was thinking Daystrom too, but I, I feel like Daystrom does a lot more physical science. Like, mm. they, you know, they do like androids and things like that. I, um, but yeah, I, I, could see, I could see her on Vulcan. 
like, and then just being intrigued of the whole Vulcan way of life, and like, um, yeah. I always seen her as slightly too excitable for Vulcans. Would the Vulcans not be super irritated by her? Because she, but just, that's like, what I think would be fun about it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I see her going to know? a place where there are lots of different people from lots of different worlds. Because uh, I think she's also fascinated by the by the sort of diversity of cultures on the Enterprise. So, you know, I don't know where she'd end up. Maybe at Starfleet Academy or headquarters, some kind of Starfleet research station where there's lots of people um, from all from many different worlds of the Federation. Hmm. Yeah, the, I suppose if you're. It's like one of us being picked out of Victorian times and brought to the 21st century. Like, yeah. what do you do with that? So the the gal- galaxy's your oyster, essentially. So so much scope. I like that's a good choice. That was not a choice that I might have picked, but didn't occur to mm. me. Being the scientist, a scientist at a time. Mm. Yeah, totally I like it. Okay, um, Kevin's first. It's the third pick. Okay, I'm going to make a pick that I th- I think is, I think in some ways because he came early in the run of Star Trek as a whole, he creates more questions and problems than he solves. But uh, that is Ambassador Odan, the very first Trill we ever see. Um, mm. he he's a very interesting character in that. And an interesting species in that at that point, we know nothing about the Trill, and there are no medical references about yep. the Trill, and yet later we find out that the Trill have been around for a very long time. Uh, so it, it does bring up some questions, but um, uh, I, I love this episode. I love his romance with Beverly. I love the questions that come up when he changes, uh, when his when his symbiont is put into other bodies. Um, so at the end... Um, uh, Odan is put into the body of Kareel, the new female host, and she goes off um, to be uh, to continue uh, being an ambassador. Apparently, so um, I have to wonder where Odan ended up uh, on the Trill homeworld. Whether because we learn later that your Trills aren't supposed to have any contact at all with people that they knew in their previous lives, so. Does does Odin have to give up all of that? It's 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 questioning to me. It, 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 it does he doesn't quite fit with what we come to know later about Trill society. So yeah, obviously they created this this character and this species yeah. for that one episode, and then later in Deep Space Nine they thought to go back to it and kind of kind of get all the details together. Um, what is funny is looking at the trill, now the surgery, where the the, the symbiont has mm-hmm. like coloured feathers in the TNG episode, and then um, in Deep Space Nine later we see that they're just kind of fleshy coloured yeah. worm-like creatures. Um, so in the Odan, no, he's got spots, eye ridges. He? Like ah, that's right. So yeah, I suppose we could assume. Like, look at the diversity of. Um, life on Earth, and then look at the different shapes and sizes of people or humans on Earth. Um, so we could maybe say that 
that's a different species of drill. The one with no spots and mm-hmm. eyebrow ridges. That's what I assumed. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it'd be interesting to find out where Odan ends up and I don't know, do you think because uh, you know, Dax has many different careers over over uh, Dax's existence. Would Odin So So what did the what was the Odin symbiont's previous life's like? We need a short story where he, um, he undergoes that ritual where he gets his closest friends and family to kind of live for a short time with the memories of the memories and personalities. Well, Odin uh, was in a um, a short story in the lives of Dax. Uh, uh, um, that's what I'm looking for, collection um, of short stories. And so okay. Odin and Dax did know each other years and years ago. Um at least three of Odan's hosts have served as Federation ambassadors, so that's interesting. Um, yeah. I guess when you're when you're enjoying Trill, I guess there's a point where there's some give and take of what, like when you say what you do, like the 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 symbiont has so much collective knowledge. So, like if you're an ambassador. They have so much collective knowledge of being an ambassador. I feel like almost, and it might be this way, where they they kind of have to choose someone to join them with that might be that might also enjoy being an ambassador. You know, because I feel mm. like that's part of the strength of the trill is, especially the join trills, is that you get this wealth of knowledge from years and years and years. So, um, you know, like like. Could you imagine if we were able to have an ambassador that's been an ambassador to a certain place for like a hundred years? You know, like it would it would be so it would be so helpful, and that you wouldn't have to rebuild relationships and things like that. So I wonder if if like so Dan's an ambassador if they when it's time to for a new host if they kind of find a new host that wants to be an ambassador or kind of you know, is, is leaning towards that way. Or if the new host just kind of understands for the good of their, of their culture, of their community, that they need to become an ambassador now. It's interesting that you say that they maybe try and find hosts that have similar kind of, kind of maybe related careers. Um, I know Jadzia, there was one that was, was it Toman that was the, Test pilot. There was one that was a test pilot. There was a gymnast. Jadzia's a scientist. Um, so yeah, not exactly similar. But what Jadzia was a scientist and got the Dax symbiont, but she continued to be a scientist. But she learned from all the previous kind of lives that she'd lived. Because um, what, what what would it be like if you had all your previous lives? Shh. What would it be like if all your previous lives were scientists, and then the next host was like a a happy musician? How do you square that? What do you do? You just become a happy musician, or all, or are all your in, kind of your internal lives kind of screaming out? To I, do some I always got the impression that the symbionts wanted to have a, as huge a variety of of um, experiences as possible. 
Mm, so, okay. yeah. I, but what that means for Odin, I don't know. Like I say, Odin is the prototypical, the prototype Trill. He was, he's the one that sort of mm. all of the ones are based after her. So, you know, they didn't, they hadn't created an entire Trill society when they, when uh, Odin was, was created. He was there to tell this interesting character conflict story for Beverly. Uh, really, it was the purpose of that character. So, uh, I can excuse the sort of inconsistencies in the Trill story because of that. Yeah, I don't, do you know what? I'm not a fan of things yeah. being canon because it's a whole universe they're creating. So everything's up for being changed or being tweaked or not being exactly the same as the previous time you've seen it. So I don't mind that. Thank nice you. Heck, I like that one. So, what's your third and final pick, Mr. Joe? Mr. Joe is, uh, I think I've decided that I'm going to pick Tam Elbrin and Gomtu because they joined together in episode 10 Man, which was season 3, episode 20, um, to become... So, if you remember, Gomtu was without his crew because his crew had died. It was, he was a sentient spaceship. Um, an organic biological ship. His crew had died from radiation poisoning and he was deeply depressed um, and was waiting beside a star for it to go supernova so he could essentially commit suicide. And then Tam Elbrin, the Betazoid, comes on board the Enterprise and they go to investigate this unknown ship that they find. And it turns out that Tam Elbrin, who is a kind of deeply disturbed Betazoid, um, he can link together with Gomtu and become essentially one. Or the ship has a crew of one that's they're telepathically linked, and they go. They basically vanish at the end of the episode. Um, go yeah. do whatever they're going to do. So I'm kind of intrigued about what did they do? It's like what did Wesley Crusher right. and the Traveler do when they went off together? What did Tam El- Elbrin and Gomtu do? What did they go up to? Did we ever see them again? There is a mention of him in the DS9 novel Valhalla, where in 2371, Chief O'Brien um, mentions him. And he's... Well, yeah, mentions him in reference to the sentient starship that they come across called Enak. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what they did. I explored all the mysteries of... The Milky Way, did they go outside the Milky Way? Did they... I don't know. I want to know, though. Yeah, so I... that That's actually an episode I haven't watched in a long time. Um, but that that is intriguing, what they did. Mm. Huh. Um, a brilliant soundtrack on that episode. There's a... I think, is it Crescendo Audio? The guys that produced the TNG... CDs. Um, it's got a really amazing orchestral soundtrack to it, so if you haven't listened to it, you should go listen. Kevin, what do you think happened uh, to I him? think they are happy together living a life of solitude, exploring unusual supernova and other cosmic anomalies. I think so too. It's very vague, but very specific. Cool. Um, Kevin? Nope. Pierre? Nope. Nope. P- 
Pierre, Pierre, your yep. third choice. All right, my third and final choice. Ready? Yes. From the episode Legacy. Um, try to think what Legacy was about. What season? What season was it? Legacy is season. Legacy is season four, episode six. I had to look it up, so I'll I'll let Joe um, suffer and, and try to guess. Give give okay. Give me a clue. I I have a give feeling a you're we're talking about the relative of a crew member. Oh, is a thingy Worf's half brother? No. No, that's no. later. Um, hmm. Do you give up, Joe? I've never <laughs> given up. I've never been known to give up about anything. Uh, this podcast could last quite a long time. Um, legacy. Is it a Shara Yard? I'm no. Sure. Yes. Oh. So that's the episode. A Shara Yard. Oh. When they go to that scary rape gang planet. Yes. Cool. So what happens with a Shire Yar? So in in my in my head canon, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. She, the implant was taken out. Right? Yeah. Like they don't really talk about that. They gave one side a distinct advantage. Mm-hmm. So, I believe that she takes over the planet or the the colony, and she's in the lead of the colony. I also believe that at some point she gets kidnapped by the Tal Shiar. Okay. Or because she's... And meets uh, her... Niece? Grandmother niece? Grand niece? Aunt niece? Be her niece. Is it just her niece? Because it's her sister's Is it just daughter? her niece? Yeah. Yeah, her niece that's older than her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Time travel. (laughs) So, I believe she meets her niece Mm -hmm. and then becomes an agent for the Tal Shiar and spies on the Federation. Ugh, you spoiled it. Okay, that's dark. Um, I don't mind that. Was the planet a Federation colony? Or was it kind of on the fringe? Okay. So, it was a Federation colony. Why would she spy in the Federation? Well, it was a Federation yeah. colony that went really, really bad. Right? So. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know why the Federation would have left them alone to devolve into rape gangs, but. Eh. So I think. But I think that's part of why she then spies on the Federation. Exactly. She's, she's mad at them about the. The way the planet, the way it went down with the planet, the way the the Federation just left them, the way that the Federation didn't help, and feels that the Federation is everything the Romulans think they are. And the Federation took her sister away too. Federation took her sister. Yep. And she she finds a family member who's completely against the Federation, who and she aligns with her. Okay. I'm going to buy it if it's something similar to the Mind's Eye, where Jordy is going on holiday and gets kidnapped by the Romulans and becomes programmed to assassinate a, a Klingon envoy. 
remember that episode? Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they kidnap, they take Ashara, they brainwash her into becoming a, a spy for the Romulans. Okay, good choice. I'm okay with this now. Yeah, I, I, I like your your uh, plot idea for Ashara, that she becomes an agent of the of the Romulans. Makes sense after what she's been through, and and the kind of character she didn't want to change either. She was not a character who was looking to become a nice person and join the Federation. Right. Okay, so what's that? Now we've gone round and we've got all nine of our people. Okay, these nine people now make our crew. Oh, I'm just as <laughs> brainwave. So we've got we have to have gone to as the starship with Tam Elgin right. as the captain. Maybe or the navigator. Oh. Will we make him the navigator because they're, they're and she- and Shelby would be the captain. Shelby's the captain. Yeah, Shelby should be the captain. Uh, Marissa Yale's the science officer. Roga mm-hmm. Dinar is the chief of security. <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. Who else did we have? Um, Odan is first contact specialist. Yes, because he's the ambassador. Um, we've got Nella Darren, who's just all round science genius. Um, and Amanda Rogers is the chief medical officer. And the the um, the Diana Troy. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, but she. How does that work? Because she's a Q. Because she could just get them out of any. Pickly situation. Hmm, <laughs> that's a good point. Maybe the she got to return on the ground on the only on the uh, on the case that she gives up her Q powers, or a bit like in uh, what's the show? What's the sci-fi show kind of western theme that only had thirteen episodes? Firefly. Firefly? <laughs> Firefly. Um, you know how the Macarena Baccarina's character, Marina Baccarin. We call her Macarena mm-hmm. Baccarina for fun. Um, <laughs> Marina Marina Baccarin's character is some kind of space prostitute, isn't she? And she's got her own wee shuttlecraft. Yeah. She's a companion. Yes, exactly. So I think imagine Amanda Rogers is. Oh, sorry, I have to kill this dog because he just won't stop crying. Could be quiet. <laughs> Do you want to go out? Go away. You're annoying me. <laughs> and any time I talk, he's going to cry. And we can't cut it out. Mm. Um, yeah, so Amanda Rogers is maybe this kind of not part of the crew, but is always there. And she helps out from time to time. Maybe with her Q powers. I don't know. Who else do we have? Do we miss anybody? Jono? Oh, Jono. Um, what is Jono? He would be chief of security. No, Roga Dinar is chief of security. Because mm. he's like a super soldier. Um, hmm. Interesting. We don't have a chief in- engineer. Do we? Oh. No, we don't. I suppose we don't need a chief engineer because it's like a biological sentient spaceship. So it just has to eat a star or something and it repairs itself. <laughs> Nice. I like it. And what about Ashara? Ashara Yar. We've got lots of kind of military people. 
lots of security mm-hmm. folk. We've got Shara, we've got Rogadinar, we've got Jono. We've got a bunch of sciencey people. We've got Marissa Yale. We've got Nella Darren. Well, that's five now. We've got Cam Elbrin. Gone to Commander Shelby. Odan. Ambassador Odan. We missed anybody out? I think that's. Uh, I think that's everybody. Yeah, that's everybody. Cool. That would be a very interesting crew. I would watch that show. I feel like the the whole ship's going to self destruct in episode one. It's the <laughs> shortest, shortest lived Star Trek episode ever. Hmm. Okay. So do you know what we can we can add some additional people onto our crew with our any honourable mentions that we have. Hmm. So, Kevin, do you have anyone, real quick? I do. I have Jenna Desora. Do you remember who Jenna DeSora is? Uh, no. Jenna DeSora was she Wesley's love interest? No. No, she was Data's love interest. Oh, oh yes. yes, from the one with the yes, yes, the yes. dark matter nebula, and was the people. I have a custom yes. made playmate figure of her. Nice. So, um, she was a security officer, actually, uh, uh, and and just. I always wondered how how she survived staying on the Enterprise with Data there, who just erased her from his memory. That's got to be a little a little off putting, knowing that one of your superior officers just flipped a switch and turned off his subroutines about. That's you. the ultimate in being ghosted, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of is. Wow, that's harsh. Um. Yeah, so we've got another security person on our crew, um, Jen DeSora. Do you have any other honourable mentions? I have one left. Well, I mentioned Thaddeus O'Connor from mm-hmm. The Outrageous O'Connor. Who I, I, he's your fix-it guy. Yes, who... He's like a merchant. He's like a, a roguish merchant handyman. He's... Joy, he's the, no, he's the Neelix. He knows it. Yeah. He knows Ooh. everything about everybody. He's better to look at than Neelix. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I like this. Okay. Um, so I, I've already mentioned him. So he's already there. But my last one is John Doe from season three's Transfigurations. Mind they find him? This alien guy crash landed in right. an escape pod, and he's very he's near death. Um, but very quickly. Beverly brings him back and he heals super fast and then he starts to manifest all these all these powers. Um, it turns out his whole species is on the brink of this evolutionary um, path where they get to shed their corporeal form and become energy beings. Um, and the, anybody that exhibits these powers has been hunted down and killed because his species don't want to don't want to don't want to go there. Um, he was played by Mark Lemura. We've got a good looking, we've got a good looking crew of this ship. I think. That, I think we do. That I really, I would love to have seen more of that, of, of their whole, um, of that whole species kind of what's going on with them evolution. Yeah. Very like. Because his plan after that episode was to go back to Zalconia, and 
basically educate people that don't be scared of this evolution. This is natural. We're not freaks. Um, just embrace it and let's all evolve together and go do whatever we're going to do. Yeah, that that would be that would be a great that would have been a great like little arc of like just kind of just all the Star Trek ideals there, kind of you know diversity and and um, you know acceptance and all that. That would be that would have been yeah, great. embracing difference. Yeah, I think there was yeah. a there was definitely a metaphor there for accepting things that are different from you. So that's my mention. All right. So I have an honorable mention. It's, I don't know. I, I might've broken all the rules with this one, but they mm-hmm. only appeared in one episode. So I combined two, I combined two, two characters that only appeared in one episode each. And, okay. and I tweaked the episode a little to make a little more Hold sense. On. Have you have you created a Tuvix kind of for TNG? No, no, no. I, I haven't completed. Oh, okay. I've, I've merged their stories. Uh, sure, okay. You're right? like... So in Relics, I always thought it was a little mean that they gave Scotty a really little shuttlecraft. I, th- I think they should have given him a runabout. Because they had runabouts at that point. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think they did. We're, we're going to say they Because yeah. Relics was mm-hmm. season... What was it? Season six? Five, six, six seven? Six, yeah. Um, yeah. And there was the... Yeah, they must have had runabouts. Runabouts were about at the time, so I don't see any problem with that. Um, so I think you give him a runabout. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes out, he realizes, because we were never told that this character died. No. He realizes that McCoy is still alive. Mm-hmm. And he goes and picks up McCoy, and Scotty and McCoy have adventures throughout the galaxy in their own run. No, then they go and find the Nexus, and get and get <laughs> Kirk back, and it's the three of them that go. Uh, and they go to Romulus, of course, as well to help out Spock with the reunification. Yeah. And then they go to the Genesis planet because obviously there's remnants of it after it blew up, and they find some Spock DNA. And they use some Borg maturation chamber to make themselves a mini Spock. But it goes wrong, so Spock is only like six inches tall. <laughs> pocket yes. Spock. And, and McCoy can put him in his pocket all the time. Like, but he's, we'll call him, McCoy love he's that. Got a, he's yeah. got a wee kind of lapel pocket. Yeah, I like this, a breast pocket. We'll call him Spocket. Spocket. Spocket in McCoy's pocket. Uh, I like that. Okay, and because Uhura always wore her in-ear communication device, um, her the Enterprise computer basically just learned her brainwaves. So Uhura can be like the ship's computer. Nice. Which has been digitally copied. Who are we missing? Sulu um, and Chekhov. I think his daughter would show up. I think Demora is probably still around. Okay. So so they're causing so much trouble that the Federation's like, we need to rein them in a little. And they mm-hmm. send Demora out to go and kind of rein them in. That's... that's... <laughs> well, we... I don't know where we're going. But I, I do enjoy the journey. I think we're writing a whole other series. I think so. I think I think they all then end up in like the Orion 
sector and like have like have like interesting moments with the Orions. Like become part of the Orion Syndicate. Well, or like or like mess around with it, and like because like how great would it be to see Kirk, Scotty, and McCoy walk into a bar when they're all old. Mm. Like just like an Orion, like crazy bar, and, like, or um, it's not really their adventures. It's just they they kind of settle down on a planet, and it's like the it's like Star Trek does the Golden Girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like not necessarily them doing hero adventure things. Yeah, just them getting in trouble doing things like like Kirk gets in a bar fight because over a poker game or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> I think we're onto something. Pierre, you can type up the email to CBS and let's make this happen. Okay. Cool. That was fun. All right. Yeah. Any final thoughts? This reminded me a lot of our What If episode that we did with mm. Amy a couple of weeks ago. It, it's just sort of fun um, trying to figure out what uh, what happens to, to these characters. Characters that obviously created an impact because we remember them. Uh, but we never see again. So uh, this has been a yeah, lot of fun. Exactly. Um, it's not too serious uh, a discussion. We're just picking up kind of the details about things we'd like to see again. Um, so back like the what if we can be as silly or as serious as possible. And if you're like me, mm-hmm. you're going to go with the silly aspect. So yeah, I agree. It was good fun though. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you everyone for kind of getting excited about this topic and rolling with it Mm. cool well it's been so much fun talking about our favorite characters we never saw again today but it's the it's it isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network here's what you might have missed elsewhere on track fm previously on trek.fm literary treks not wanting to be spoiled about this book i would suggest then not listening now read the book and then come back later and then you can enjoy the whole freaking feature of this glorious analysis that we're going to give this i shot jr sorry i i thought we were getting into spoilers my my bad <laughs> i don't know i just like woke up from a dream i was in the shower um, so- <laughs> <laughs> the orb but if you think about the fact that Cisco is with the prophets at this time and Section 31 is going to try to kill the prophets, maybe that's a way for Cisco to re-enter the story and play his role in representing the prophets to overturn what Section 31 is trying to do and to champion that idea of Druidic and, and end the season with that message that religion is fine for those who want to believe it, and it's also fine for you not to believe it. Earl Grey. One of my notes I made on this episode is that Riker is a cosplayer. He likes to put on the native costumes of the planets he goes to. Yes. Ewan, I have started making a a Riker Angel 1 cosplay. (laughs) Ewan Ewan wants it for SLBs. Nice. Yes! That was one of my notes as well, was Riker's left nipple. Doesn't leave much to the imagination, but yeah. To the journey! Quick snap poll. Suzanne, would you prefer Neelix to cook for you or Chell? 
Chell. Chell? Zach. Neelix or Chell? Neelix. Oh. <laughs> oh. I see Leola root in your future. <laughs> Lots of it. Oh, yeah. Give me those exotic ingredients. Yes. Chell is my man. I mean, you can have... With Chell, you can get, like, all those puns food items that he made. <laughs> exactly, it would be like Bob's Burgers in space. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favourite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad or Apple TV or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. And there are so many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in a larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter and Instagram at trek.fm, and on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm. So, Kevin, where can people contact you when you are not rewriting Federation history? Well, of course, you can find me on the Babel Conference. Uh, I I lurk in there quite a bit, and you can message me through that. Uh, I do a podcast with some friends uh, talking about uh, all kinds of geeky things. It's called True North Nerds. You can listen to our our review of the Disney Plus movie Artemis Fowl on our latest episode. And we're going to talk about a goofy movie next, so uh, we're having some fun over there. Joe, where can people find you uh, when you're not psychically connected to a sentient alien Starship. Well, when I'm not doing that, because obviously all listeners know that I am permanently, essentially connected telepathically to something else. Um, you can find me on the Babel Conference, as usual. You can email me, joepodcasts at gmail.com. And you can tweet me on the Twitter at joeyjoe77uk. And Pierre, where can people contact you when your spaceship isn't blowing up in the first episode? Well, I am on the Babel Conference also, um, so on Facebook, so you can always message me there or write a comment in the comments. Um, and you can tweet me on the Twitter at uh, PierreLaRocco21. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com 
slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trubuzio, Jim McMahon, Justin Ozer, and me, Joe Keegan. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. These are the voyages of the USS GOM-2. Her continuing... If you can't make room... If you can't make the big decisions, Commander, I suggest you make room for someone who can. Oh. Energize. Zoom.